but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away, brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you for your touch today. We pray that you would give us the strength to preach. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, help our throat. Lord, got a little cough this morning. Father, we ask you that you'd help us, Lord, as we're here. Lord, small in number, Lord, but we do, we sure do serve a big, big God. So God, we pray today that you'd help us, Lord, as we try to worship you in the preached word of God. Speak to us and touch us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, we'll deal with this subject, seven ducks in a dirty river. And uh, as if you are familiar with this, if not, we'll try to get you there. Uh, but uh, if you are familiar, you know that this is about a very, very sick man, but he finds healing in an unusual place. And it's in, in this situation, it gives us a, a beautiful picture of God's redemptive power. Uh, Brother Jody, you, man, you skirted all the way around the message this morning, uh, that I was gonna be preaching, and I thought about just hollering preach anyhow, and, uh, just, I'll just take the day off and let you have it. Uh, but I'm so thankful that no matter how dirty, no matter how dark our sin may be, uh, that God is able to cleanse it, and God's able to wipe it clean. Amen. That's a blessing to me. And so this gives us a picture of that, uh, redemption from God. It also gives hope to a seemingly hopeless generation uh, that we are in today. It seems as though no matter what type of media you look at, uh, whether it's social media and all that that entails, or whether it's magazine or print or on the TV or whatever, radio, you always hear bad, bad news. <clears throat> And then the things that you hear good news are things that we ought to be doing anyway, but people finally started doing them. And so it's almost as if this nation is one that is hopeless, or this not not necessarily nation, but this generation is one that seems hopeless. And uh, I, I want to tell us today as, as what I believe is a body of believers this morning, I don't know your hearts, but uh, I think that everyone is saved, but don't let my thinking you're saved dictate whether you are or not. Somebody help me right there. Uh, that's between you and God. And if you're not, then you need to get it right. If you are, then just amen us. Let's plot through this thing this morning. Uh, but I believe that we can give this generation hope. Now, I'm not talking about Generation X or uh, Generation Z. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our, uh, every man, woman, boy, and girl that lives in this world, they need hope. And that hope comes from one place this morning, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to try to point, the, uh, 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 give you that point today and drive it home. Uh, but it instructs us on how to be clean. If we could sum everything up on this uh, statement, how to be clean, I believe that we can base it upon verse number 10, and he says, Go wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. I believe we can base the answer on one word, obedience. 
And uh, I believe Christians as well as non-Christians or those that are lost in need of salvation, I believe that every single one of us struggle with obedience. Uh, I, I have an issue with obeying my GPS, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because uh, we we noticed this week as we were going to unknown places, um, it would take you in one way and it'd take you out another way, and and it just is unnerving to me, Miss Hannah. Uh, I've been to places where it'll take you on on uh, sometimes the interstate, and sometimes it'll take you the back roads. When we left uh, a wedding a couple months ago, it took us all through these little coveys and everything else that you're wondering how in the world are we going to get out of here. Uh, we, Lori and I think we were going uh, somewhere and we I don't even remember where we started but the GPS said turn left on this road and my hand before God is a dirt road that ain't been graded in since Moses came out of Egypt. I'm telling you what's true. And, and so I don't trust GPS. I don't trust those things that are supposed to 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 get us in the right place, and so people are un they're they're untrusting. They've been they've been lied to before. It seems as though uh, whether it's in technology, as I mentioned, the GPS, or whether it's a church has lied to someone, and and they said, well, you just say these few words and you can be right with God, or you give a certain amount of money and you'll find favor with God. All of those, if if you'll help me right here, all of those are lies. None of that's going to give you favor with God. Uh, whether you have a dime to your name or whether you're a, a multi-billionaire, millionaire, whatever it may be, uh, none of those give you favor with God, but being obedient to God does. And so we'll deal this morning with this thought, and we'll try to go on to the house. I want to give you four definitions, and I need you to remember those as we go. We won't really get to them until towards the very end, but um, remember this, this river we find over in around verse number 12 or 13 is Abana. And this word means stony. This river is a stony river. The next is Farpar, and it is swift or swiftly moving. The next is Jordan. We found that in verse number 10. And it is flowing down from Mount Hermon, but listen to this. Hermon means sanctuary. Now, some of y'all are going to get that. Some of y'all will eat, y'all be eating a chicken wing or something later on, and you'll catch it. And then, and then the word seven there in verse number uh, ten, it is spiritual perfection. It is when God finally places His stamp of approval on something. We find the word seven. So, uh, as you can think about those few definitions, we'll get into the message. Number one, I want us to know about this man Naaman. I want us to see his sin. We see again in verse number one. That he was a captain of the host. He was a, uh, of the king of Syria. He was a great man with his master. He was honorable. Uh, and then it says, because of him, the Lord gave deliverance to Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. But there is a sad reality at the very end of verse number one. After all of these great achievements, after everything was mentioned, he had leprosy. It says that he was a leprosy. It even talked about how that he had been used by God. This was a man that we could honor, that we could maybe, uh, that we, we could look up to, we can idolize this man, but he was a leper. 
And uh, uh, though leprosy in and of itself is not a sin, it carries throughout Scripture, it carries the idea of uncleanness and of sin. And so uh, because of that, we look over in Isaiah chapter number 64, and uh, none of this, none of these Scriptures here say anything about Naaman's sin. It just says that he was a leper, and we could deal with what leprosy is, and, and we could tell you a little bit more about it, but know that it is putrid sores. Uh, it is sores so deep that it goes to the bone, and uh, over in Thailand especially, uh, that's where I'm most familiar with, they have leper colonies that uh, that normal people do not go into these colonies. Uh, it is only lepers, it is only people that have this disease, and you'll find maybe they're missing an ear, or they're missing a jaw, or they're missing a limb, or they're walking around on a cane because their foot is gone, uh, and it's because of this leprosy, and it has so eaten at their body, it has so eaten at their bones that they've had to amputate, or they've got large holes in their skin, uh, where it's just continually eating. Uh, but Brother Jody, uh, this just speaks about our sin, how uh, that, that that leprosy, it can be seen. It starts with a white spot, uh, but it goes deep, and it begins to, to uh, uh, excrete mucus and pus and just nasty uh, liquid and they try to wrap it and it and it stinks and and the only way to get rid of it is to burn it on the outskirts of the city so we go over to uh, Isaiah chapter 64 verse number 6 and it says but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses, you understand, that is the very best that we can do. He said every best that we have are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Isaiah refers to these filthy rags because of this disease of, of leprosy. But I'm thankful today how that though we can look back and we can see our own sin, how that as, as the wind is taking us away, but I'm glad that we can look back and we can say that even though we were like one of those putrid rags, even though we stunk in the very nostrils of a holy God, He still, I said He still did decided to reach down in love and rescue us out of a horrible pit. I'm glad this morning that though how we see his sin and this sad reality that there's still hope. Amen. This is true for all men, not just men with leprosy, not just men with some uh, a horrible disease, but uh, all of our accomplishments, they could be lauded, they can be uh, placed uh, on a pedestal, and we can look up and we can idolize those. How about Romans chapter number 10, verse number th- uh, chapter 3, verse number 10 says that there is none righteous, no, not one. In verse 23 of the same chapter, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This morning, though we may not have a, 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 a vicious disease, uh, we are all sinners. Amen. And every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever been born in this life are sinners. Amen. And it goes back to obedience. We'll get there in a minute. We saw his sin, first of all. Now let's look at his servant's care. This is where you and I come into play quite often. 
Verse number 2 and 3, we read these already, but we'll read them again very quickly. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She was a slave. She was in captive, captivity. She was a captive. Look at verse number 3. And she said unto her mistress, this is that old English, Would God, or I wish to God, my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Now she's talking about Naaman. For he would recover him of his leprosy. So let's look number two, his servant's care. Here was this woman, young woman, we don't know her age. It says that she was made. So the very least that we know is she was not married at this time. But we see that she was a captive. And she had no, as far as our mentality, she was in prison. So she would have no, um, no reason to help this man. She was a slave. Why should she help her uh, captor? Why should she help the one that that kidnapped her? Why should she be drawn to help him? But I'm glad that something moved within her and she saw something in Naaman that needed to be fixed and she pointed, though whispering to Naaman's wife, she pointed him in the right direction. Let's look at Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 44. Uh, Jesus says, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which spitefully, which despitefully use you and persecute you. You remember Joseph? Joseph was kidnapped from his brothers or from his family, by his brothers rather. He was sold multiple times and he ended up in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife uh, wanted to be with him and so she cooked up a scheme. He was placed in prison. He was forgotten but then somehow he ended up uh, being right next to the throne of Pharaoh and was able to rule the city and at the very end of his life though he had been captive and though he was forgotten. He was used by God to deliver his people. And at the very end of his life, his brothers began to apologize. His brothers began to wonder, well, when you're dead, what's going to happen to us? And he says, uh, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And so I think we could say about this little maid that was taken uh, by force out of her motherland of Israel to go to Syria and be a little slave for Naaman's wife. I believe God meant it for good because he knew there was a man of valor, a man of honor named Naaman, and he had leprosy and he needed to be delivered. Can I say today, though you may not be in bondage to someone, you have every every responsibility, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, to respect those in authority, to, to what did he say, to bless them that come curse you, do love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. He says, I want you to love. And this woman, she was a captive, but yet something began to work in her. I don't know if she might have heard down through the grapevine how that Joseph was a captive too, but he still helped. I don't know if she heard Joseph's final words, how that God meant it for good to save much people alive. But that's what God did. He pulled this little lady. She had every right to be resent, resentful. 
She had every right to say, I'm not going to help him. He can die as far as I care. But yet, Miss Abby, she decided she was going to help because she knew where the help came from. Let's look at this. The Holy Ghost, He too will care for the soul. He's been ignored. He's been abused. He's been cursed. But I'm, man, I can go back to, to before I got saved. And I could remember how He was prodding my heart. I could remember how He was drawing my heart. And man, I think I'd outrun Him and I think I'd, I'd be able to shake Him and I, I'll just be John Brown if He wasn't there all over again. And I thought, man, I got, finally got away from church. And, and I like going to church, Samuel. I like singing. I like preaching. I like doing those things. But there was something in my heart that said, it's not right. It's not right. It's not right. And every time I'd get up and sing a song and I thought, man, this will make you feel better. I'll sing this song. God on the mountain for it. He's God on the mountain. He's God in the valley. I feel good about myself and I feel good when I leave. And I felt good for about 12 and a half seconds after it, Miss Hannah. And it wasn't long and the Holy Ghost began to work on my heart again. And I'd get out there in the woods and I'd preach a message about everybody else getting saved and everybody else getting their hearts right with God. And I'd say, if you'd come and... I was talking to squirrels and the rabbits and all that kind of stuff. There wasn't no people out there. And I'd say, if y'all come and give your hearts to God, uh, He'd bless you. And I'm just on and on and on. And then every time I'd get down off of that big wire spool on them six foot ones like you gave me that ended up near close to the water about killed me and took out everything in its way... I'd get off of that thing and God would say, it's you that needs to repent. It's you that needs to turn around. It's you that needs to be saved. Man, I'm telling you, I couldn't outrun him. And that Holy Ghost was there the whole time. He was there. He was prodding. He was convicting. He was drawing. He was saying, come, come, come. That Holy Ghost, just like this woman, she was ignored. She was just the help. But yet she knew where the answer was. And that Holy Ghost to a sinner, that Holy Ghost, he says, I know where the answer is. I know what you're looking for. It's not in that bottle. It's not in that pipe. It's not in that needle. It's not with that woman or with that man. It's not in that club. It's not down yonder. The Holy Ghost. I want us to look, number three, I want us to see his seeking. Now, we... We'll reference verse number 4 down through verse number 8 or so, but I I, want to read verse number 9. We see some things that have happened around verse number 4. He heard about what the little maid said, and and he tried to do it his own way, and we'll get to that. And uh, some letters were written, some deliveries were made, and it just wasn't working out for old Naaman. And he was told to go down to the prophet. So verse number 9, we see a seeking. Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. We see a seeking. We realize first that he was reluctant. We don't see his reluctance in verse number 9, but we do see it in the previous verses. He went to the king of Syria, who he was a great man in his sight, according to verse number 1. King of Syria said, well, I'll just write a letter down to the king of Israel and, and we'll, we'll get this thing rolling. We'll, we'll, we'll put you into the hospital down there and we'll get you healed up. The king can tell the preacher what to do. 
So he went down there and he brought a letter to the king of Israel, verse number 6. He says, uh, verse number 7, the king read the letter and rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man hath or doth sin unto me to recover a man of leprosy? He said, I pray you, and, and now he seeketh a quarrel against me. So this, this king of Israel, he thought that this was a trick, a trap. And he thought that the king of Syria was, was basically giving him an impossible condition. And he said, there's no way that I can do this. Are we fixing to have a quarrel here? But the Bible says that Elisha found out that the king had rent his clothes there in verse number 8. And he says, let him at the very end, let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. He was reluctant. He tried his own king. He tried Israel's king. He tried to do it the best way that he knew how. And I can tell you this, I don't remember the name of it, but Laura used to sing a song and it talked about those best laid plans. And it seems like our best laid plans will always fall, Brother John. It seems like the best that we can do, I mean, we go, we, we nail it down, we know exactly what's gonna happen. It falls apart. And Naaman tried his very best. I'm going to go to the king, the most powerful man in my country. He can help me. Found out he couldn't help him. So he went to another powerful man in Israel and he couldn't help him. And he found out, and I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious, but he found out that it was just a little preacher down yonder somewhere that had the answer. He said, I can't help you. My cabinet can't help you. None of my, none of my money can help you, but there's a preacher down there that might be able to help you. Now I've been preaching for 28 years now, 20, 28 years now, and, uh, there's a lot of things that a preacher can't help you with. There's a lot of things that, that, that the church can't help you with. But I don't know a single thing I don't know a single thing that has the weight of eternity attached to it that a preacher can't help you with. Now, y'all going to have to let that marinate for a while. I might not be able to build y'all a house or rebuild your slant six. I might not be able to reprogram your computer or balance the budget. But if you got a burden on your heart, and you ain't got the mind, you ain't got the heart about you to pray for yourself, you find yourself a good preacher and let him help you. Let him counsel you. Let him pray for you and with you. So did you hear what I said? I don't know of a single thing that carries the weight of eternity that a preacher can't help you with. Oh, he can't save you. Don't misunderstand me. He can't make it all good. But he can point you in the right direction. And the king rent his clothes. And the preacher heard about it. And he said, won't you send him? You can't help him, Mr. King. You send him on down here and we'll see what we can do. He said, I want to know there's a prophet in Israel. Listen to this. We see a seeking. He was reluctant at first. Isaiah 55, verse number 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. 
Call ye upon him while he is near. Luke chapter number 19, verse 3 and 4. Something very similar happened to a little man named Zacchaeus. He had heard that Jesus was coming around. And verse 3 says he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. What happened? Well, Jesus began to pass that way. And Jesus didn't say, stay up there in that high tree. He said, get down because salvation is come to your house today. You see, people try a lot of different things. People will try to go a lot of different places to find help. And I've said this before, but they've got a God-shaped hole in their heart. And nothing can fill that except for God. Oh my goodness. I've, I've been doing, I've been doing some woodwork and I've been cutting, cutting things out. But you know this, Brother Jody? I don't know if you've ever noticed, but use a coping saw, okay? Help me now. Been using a coping saw. That blade, you know what a coping saw is, right? That blade ain't nothing but maybe less than, less than an eighth inch wide. Sixteenth, maybe a little bit more. Brother Lee, you get in and you cut that thing out. Now that thing, what you cut out, Brother, Brother Terry, it'll fit back in the hole, but it don't fit right. It'll wobble in there. So you do everything you want to. You can mold your own God's shape and try to fill that hole if you want to. You go to church, you read your Bible, you sing, you do whatever. You do whatever you can to try to fill that hole. But outside of God, it'll never fit right. See, every time I pull that that coping saw back, you know what it's doing? It's taking part of that wood out. Making that hole bigger. Oh, it's just slight. It's just slight. But it's taking it out. And when Adam's sitting in the garden... He took God out of the heart. And nothing can replace it except for God. He was seeking. He knew he needed something. He went to all these different places and he ended up, in verse number 9, standing at the door of the house of the man of God. Number 4, let's notice his self-will. Brother Jody talked about this this morning just a little bit. Verse number 11 and verse number 12. If you notice, I skipped verse number 10. Let's look at verse number 11, verse number 12. It says, But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought, and you may as well go ahead on and mark it down, when the Holy Ghost says to do something, it ain't going to be what you thought. Mm Mm-hmm. He, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, his God. Do you hear that? His God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Well, what happened? Verse number 10, the preacher said, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. He didn't say, go down and do all of these different things. He said, go wash in Jordan seven times. That's all. Benji, that's all he had to do. Just go, just walk in the water, dunk yourself seven times, you'll be good. That wasn't good enough. He wanted lightning. He wanted flashing. 
He wanted a big pomp and circumstance. He wanted a parade. He wanted everything. This was a man of honor. This was a man of valor. He was a great man in the sight of the king. He thought surely there would be a great parade right alongside this preacher because of who he was. His self-will. More often than not, we're not going to like what Jesus says. We're not going to like what the Holy Ghost says when we finally start listening. He's going to say things like, stop. Most of the time, that'll be the very thing that we love. Stay away from that place. Part ways with that person. And likely we'll attempt our own way. I I did this. We'll attempt our own way of cleaning up. We'll stop for a little while. We'll make a few changes. That's not enough. Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 16. Some of you remember this. One came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. The young man said, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Verse 22, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He didn't like what Jesus had to say. Oh, he wanted what Jesus had to offer, but he didn't like what Jesus had to say. He went away sorrowful. And as far as I know, that's the only time you see that rich young ruler. And the last thing you see him is walking away without Christ, without God, because he didn't like what he had to say. We'll attempt our own way of cleaning up. John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto them, unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No other way. You've got to do it His way. Number four, five. Excuse me. I want us to see His surrender and His salvation. His surrender and His salvation. Now, you know in verse number 10, Elisha told him what he had to do. Go to Jordan, wash seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, verse number 11, down through verse number 12 or 13, he was all tore up and he went away in in a rage, he says at the end of 12. But I want you to see this. A simple act of obedience is all it took. Verse 14. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This simple act that he was instructed to do in verse number 10, 
that he fought in verse number 11. He fought in verse number 12. He was convinced, though, to do it in verse number 13. Here we find again his servants, people that shouldn't have a care in the world about his well-being because they were kept against their will. They said, all he's asked you to do was wash in Jordan. Why are you... Let's let's just read it. I wasn't going to read this. His servants came near and spake, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. I could hear him pulling back, see him pulling back on those reins. Say, you know what, you're right. George is just right around the corner. Let's go. He walked in. Before you can walk in, we, we see this, this act of obedience. He's finally doing what he's supposed to do. He had overcome his pride. This, the Jordan was and is still a filthy river. And he was right. Abana and Farpar, they, they were a lot better. But you remember, remember the definition, Abana is stony and Farpar is, is, is uh, uh, swiftly. That's not what God wanted. Now we can go up into, into Sevierville and Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, and we can look at all those, those, that, that pretty water, but there's stones everywhere. You can't really get down. Some of them you can, but you, you, you trip and you fall and you stumble, you slip on all that stuff in there. That's not what God wanted. He wanted him to dip seven times. And so he couldn't go in the stony river because, because he couldn't have got deep enough. He couldn't have got where he needed to go. He didn't want him to go to far part because it was too fast. It was moving too fast. He didn't want, and, and let me tell you something. This thing about easy believism, it's, it's a far part. It moves a lot too fast. You, 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 the Holy Spirit don't even have time to work because somebody's trying to push him down somebody's throat. Am I telling you right, Brother Joe? Uh, somebody's trying to get another name on the card or another name on the roll. I say let, let God do His work. Let God do it in His time. And don't worry about the swiftness of salvation. Let God do it. So, so Farpar wouldn't work. It was running too fast. It was running too fast. He would have been swept away. He still would have had his leprosy. But then we see here, in overcoming his pride, he finally came to the place, Jordan. And this is where God had ordained him to be anyway. And if you look at the maps, you'll find that Jordan is coming out of the hills and it's coming out of Mount, what did I say? Um, what was it? Hermon, Mount Hermon, excuse me. But Mount Hermon means a sanctuary. This is a place where you can find rest. A place where you can find solace. A place where you can be protected. That, that's that sanctuary. You're protected from the enemy. He says, I want you to go down to Jordan. It may not look like a lot. It may leave a bad taste in your mouth. You may appear dirt. It may, mud may saturate your clothes, but you're going to find sanctuary there. You'll find help in this river Jordan. So he went down there. He decided he was going to overcome his pride. Reminds me of Samuel. He was told to go destroy a people and not leave a single thing alive. But he wanted to impress God 
And so he disobeyed God's man. And Samuel, the prophet, in chapter 15, verse number 22 in 1 Samuel, he told Saul, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey... I don't know if Naaman knew that scripture, but I believe he learned to obey the man of God, as such, obeying God. To obey God is a lot better than the sacrifice that I have to give to go into a water that I don't want to be in. His pride, with every dip, his pride took a hit. Got dirtier every time he went down. I don't know if you could get wetter, but he got more wet every time he went down. His fear, his frustration, his frustration mounted. He went down once and he came up. No doubt he looked at his, his hands, his arms. He was still unclean. He went down the second time and he looked and cleared the mud out of his eyes and no, I'm still, I'm still unclean. I can imagine the servants standing on the shore somewhere saying, don't give up. And he dipped again, dipped another time and he looked and he still saw the sores and maybe the, the skin ripping away from his body. And maybe even he said, there's no use. And another servant said, don't stop now. Naaman went down. Now the fifth time he looked. And the sixth time he looked, he's still unclean. I could almost hear him say, this isn't working. This doesn't make sense. Why am I out here in this muddy river? Why am I doing this? But his servants ringing out together might have said, remember, the prophet said to dip seven times. You've only dipped six times. Go down one more time. Somebody, let me tell you something. Somebody might need to go down one more time before you get what you're looking for. Somebody might need to dip one more time before they get what they're praying for. And Naaman with frustration, with fear, is this really going to work? He's already done it six times. And finally the seventh time, he holds his breath and he grabs himself and he goes down and he comes up and he looks expecting to see the same old nasty sores but his flesh became as a little child. Seven times and he became clean. I ask you this in conclusion today. Have you tried everything to get clean? Have you tried everything? You know, I've got books, and Brother Jody, he mentioned a little bit about this too. I've got books on my shelves back here and at home that could possibly be categorized as self-help. Some will help me to uh, to be a man of man. Some will help me to think positive about situations. But there's only one book on that shelf or anywhere else that I've ever read that has changed my life. And that's the Word of God. The way to do that, the way to be changed, the way to have your life changed by the Word of God is to listen to what it says and to learn that by faith we can be saved. 
I'll go one step further for you that are saved today. By faith, we remain saved. It's not something that we are to do over and over again. Yes, if you sin, you repent, but that doesn't, that doesn't make you lose your salvation. Don't think that for a minute. It does break fellowship with God, but you repent and God restores that fellowship. So nail that down real quick. But listen to this. How can we be saved? Now I'm, I'm giving you this. Like some of you may need to be saved. Maybe somebody watching or somebody listening later on that needs to be saved. How? By trusting in the work that Christ did on Calvary. In my notes, I capitalize the word work because no amount of work can ever earn you salvation. But one man's work did. And that's Christ's on Calvary. So by faith, we can trust what He did on Calvary. By faith, we can trust that He was raised from the dead. By faith, we can trust that He is alive and He will return like He said He would. By faith, we can trust that if we repent of our sins. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two verses above that says that by faith we can trust we can live in Him. Verse number 7, 1 John 1. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. We get a song of invitation. I I, I want to say this before we stop recording or anything. You're too quick on the draw, ain't you? I told you, seven ducks in a dirty river. That number one, you see this throughout Scripture, it is the beginning. The number one is beginning. It's that first step. Number two, it is division. Two, they're divided, though. What, what does this mean in relation to this? I believe that second duck in that river, he might have said, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Maybe somebody that's under conviction, they're, they're ready to bow and they're ready to ask the Lord, but they're asking themselves a question. They've just made that first step. But now they're bowing their heads and they're saying, why am I doing this? Number three is solidity. And that carries the idea that you've come this far. You better not stop now. He's dipped three times now. He said, I'm already dirty. Already wet. I've come too far to turn back. Number four is creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 said, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God's doing a work. He's dipped himself four times now and God's doing a work. He's got it ready. He wants to give it to you. You gotta to get to seven though. Number five is that number for grace. For by grace are you saved. Keep on giving. Number six, here it is. This is where we, so many people stop at number six. 
God's got something for you and He's told you to go down seven times and you stop at six because it's the weakness of man or the manifestation of sin. You go down those six times and you're the same as you were before when you first started and you just wonder, why am I doing this? What's the use? And you give up. But if you'll go down one more time, if you'll go down that seventh time, you'll follow God, you'll follow His Word, you'll realize that that number seven is spiritual perfection. God's going to do a work, but you got to do it until He says to stop. Let's stand. Let's get a song of invitation. Dear Father, we ask You that You would take us today into Your hands. Lord, we pray that You would have Your will in the message. God, I ask You that You would touch some heart today. Give us what we stand in need of, Lord. Father, we pray if there be someone here that needs to be saved, that, Lord, You let them come. And give their hearts to you. Lord, if there's somebody, Lord, dealing with, with some issue at hand that you're, that you're working on them and you're telling them, go down seven times. God, I pray that you'd give them strength. Lord, I pray that you'd raise up servants, raise up friends, raise up enemies, whatever that says, don't stop. He said, go down seven times. Keep going. God, we pray that you'd have your will today. In Jesus' name, amen. What are we singing, brother?